My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another special episode of Make Ours Marvel we call Not Comics. This is the 15th one of these we've done, which is like, wow, really? 15 of them? And I feel like we haven't really covered a lot of the old movies or anything yet. So it's like we're barely scratching the surface at 15. Right. But we are here once again to talk about a new Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. And this is even a new MCU movie. Whoa. But um, I had to get in the car and drive quite a bit so I could record this one far from home. Uh, oh, I, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. But of course, we are not going to do this alone. We like to bring on a guest when we can to talk about these movies. And this is a man I've uh, invited along. Um, he's known me a lot longer than I've known him, <laughs> which is, you know, not in a creepy way, though. Not like outside my bedroom as well. As far as I know, not like an outside my bedroom window kind of way, but the host of one of the hosts of the Spider-Man Rewind podcast. Welcome, Ethan. I wasn't sure whether to call you Parker or Smith because you have both. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. It is Smith, right? It is. That is my last name. Okay. I got, got confused myself for a second. <laughs> Ethan, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. You guys are doing you're doing God's work over here. That would be that'd be way cooler if you were a Spider-Man fan and your last name was legit Parker. Yeah, it would, but, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it's almost you'd have to be a Spider-Man fan at that point. I think when I was a kid, I used to write my name on school papers as just Ethan Parker because I wanted people to think I was Ah, oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have a cousin whose name is Parker after Peter Parker. So, oh wow, oh that's awesome, yeah. cool. Not as cool as Luke Cage's, not Luke Cage's, huh? Nicholas Cage's son, um, who is you know Kal El. Yeah, but, I love know, that. Right? <laughs> that is some commitment. Although my well, stumble is Luke Cage, there is not in apropos because I think his stage name is Nicholas Cage after Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah, given you're right. Is something different. Well, my parents named me Mike L, but. I go up. I, I read more Batman for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, well, Bruce is too sissy of a name, so you're Mike L instead. Right. <laughs> so before we dive into our Spider-Man film, in case you didn't get my really bad joke earlier, <laughs> this is the episode of Spider-Man Far From Home. <laughs> right. Um, Ethan, who are you? Tell us about yourself. Oh, on this man. Podcast. How do you know Spider-Man? How do you know comics? Oh, boy. Um so, you know, it's I I feel like it's kind of a uh, like a, a a lame answer to be like, oh well, you know, the Raimi Spider Man movies got me into all of this. I feel like a lot of a lot like that's that's a very basic answer, um, but uh, that is the case because I mean, when the first one came out, I was three years old, uh, 
and uh and so they were coming out as i was uh, developing as a person um and i very quickly like my parents would take me to the public library and i'd, I'd get like uh the trades that they would have at the library of ultimate spider-man um and so like you know the those movies and then ultimate spider-man from the library like those were my gateway um because i was so obsessed with the movies that i just had to seek it out in any other form that i could find um and of course from there that branched off into various other comics and whatever but it's never like you know i I feel like i've done a very broad reading of comics but it always comes back to spidey like i just for some reason like nothing thrills me more than spider-man at any point in my life um and uh and so that's why i do a podcast about him now but uh yeah i mean me as a person i don't know i think that probably that sums it up i I, uh, I I like Spider-Man. I uh, my uh, my friend and co-host over on my show Griffin. We met across the country. We live in totally different parts of the country, and we met on on a Spider-Man website. Uh, and and we have been friends for like seven years now, and we do a show together. Was that a was that Crawl Space or someplace different? That was Crawl Space. Um, and uh, it, th- through various different kind of like loophole things there. Um, it's And we've stayed connected just through this character. And that's been really, really cool. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, like just Spider-Man is always the thing that I'm just excited about and I'm ready for. And uh, and the movies are always a big event for me. And, and now we do this OCD as, as, as heck podcast where we go through literally everything. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah we got- you, you said uh, you said you were three when the Raimi movie came out. Yeah, yeah. Or I guess so, four. Like, yeah, four. That that immediately flashed me to uh, Civil War. And hey, guys, remember that really old movie called Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> you remember Jesus? That really, how old is this kid? <laughs> remember, that, remember that really old movie, the first Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow, that's fantastic. Of course, yeah. we now have seen that Tom Holland, or not Tom Holland, but that Peter Parker's birth date is in 2001. So y'all are of an age. You're a little mm-hmm. bit older, but, but yeah, no, yeah, he's it, it's it's gotten to the weird point where I'm I'm like an adult and Spider-Man's a kid. Like I'm quite a bit older than Spider-Man, and it's yeah, it's it's bizarre. Yeah. That is really bizarre when that stuff starts happening, and it's going to just get worse for you, trust oh, me. Oh, God. Yeah. Turns out when you're a kid, you think that being an adult is like this thing that happens. It doesn't happen. You just keep finding a lot of stuff that's younger than you. <laughs> that That's what that's all being an adult is, is finding out that you're older than all the crap that's... You just keep getting startled you know, by the revelations. You're like, oh, God, that's yeah. not right. It's <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm older than Superman now. That's weird. Oof. Oh, I'm older than every baseball player on that field. That's weird. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like a couple weeks ago, I, I went to the auditions to try out for the new Gerber baby, and they said no. And I turned 40, forty the next week, and they're like, you know, "Yeah, that's a so, rude, that's a know, rude awakening that we all have to go through." <laughs> yeah. Hey, out there in listener land, if you can get me in for the next Gerber baby slot, let me know. <laughs> um, so, well, that's cool, and you know, we Mike covered and I the first were, Raimi, right, or both? We, co- we did cover the no, with Don. We covered the first Raimi with Don, and we all agree that's a good movie. So that's yeah. a good way to be introduced into Spider-Man. Very I think. good movie, yeah. And honestly, for the for the stories that the other movies chose to tell, that I definitely enjoyed. You know, we made a good point in that episode that that movie is probably the best representation of like the tropes of Spider-Man comics, as yeah. far as like mm-hmm. the really visible ones. You got Jameson, you got the Daily Planet, you got Ant, you know, all the stuff that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I'm talking about in this podcast is how Spider-Man: Far From Home and this version of Spider-Man in General 
takes a lot of the ideas and the themes and the concepts of Spider-Man and dresses them up differently. Mm-hmm. But they're they're still there. They just look a little different now. Yeah, that, and, that was a question it, it, that I had for you guys, like right off the top, because I think, I think like critically and everything, I think I think the the reaction to this movie is like really really positive. But I know that like Spider Man fans are kind of all over the place about it, and and I know that that kind of just relates to what people thought about Homecoming and everything as well. So I had the question for you guys, like, how do you feel generally about MCU Spider Man? I like him a lot, but I also understand that he's not um, an individual entity anymore. Yeah. Like w- with the Raimi movies, it's all Spider-Man all the time, and that's the only universe. Same with – I'm going to say Garfield again. Don't think the cat, John. I'm talking <laughs> about that other guy. Oh, um, oh thanks for clarifying because I yeah, get confused. Because <laughs> I can't remember his first name, so I just call him Garfield. Andrew Garfield, right? Yeah. Um, Nothing same with confused him. with Garfield Logan. Right. <laughs> so same with him. It's like – independent all spider-man all the time and now this new spider-man is very heavily dependent on what happened i mean he's introduced in someone else's movie you know and like everything everything about him is kind of always connected seems like with someone else's movie so i could see why that might be annoying to some people although i personally love the mcu and how they've wrapped everything together so i'm kind of fine with it but you can't just hand like far from home to somebody who's never heard of Spider-Man and say, hey, just watch this. This is a great introduction because they're going to be like, who's Civil War? Mm, okay. I don't understand. You know, that's an interesting point. Um, yeah, I think that as far as making a gateway from the movies to the comics, which, you know, we used to kind of see the movies as being that the movies were the gateway to the comics. Right. You went and saw mm-hmm. this. And that was, you know, that's your story. Then you go see the movie, you go see the comics. Yeah. Things like. The first Iron Man film, mm-hmm. the comics were definitely steered towards um, appealing to that audience. You know, the Invincible Iron Man series that launched around that time used a lot of the similar uh, concepts and just visual representations and stuff like that. Um, as a newcomer, as a new returner to comics, whenever I went to see Iron Man and then I went and got Invincible Iron Man number three or whatever, I felt like I was reading a very similar Iron Man. Yeah. I'm not sure that the same could be said for this Spider-Man. Right. But I have been reading the new comics. But see, you can you could watch Iron Man and introduce somebody to Iron Man with Iron Man or Thor or Hulk or Captain America. All those original movies are kind of their own thing. Yes, they eventually tie together in the post credits and stuff, but like with Spider-Man right out of the gate, he's just he was introduced by Tony Stark. You don't get his origin He's always like Tony Stark's disciple. So you don't think that? Do you think uh, that Homecoming on its own is a good introduction? I I would rather give somebody if somebody knew nothing about Spider Man, I would do the Raimi movie. Yeah, personally, yeah. just because it just seems more straightforward, and you don't have to watch like twenty MCU movies to understand who Tony Stark is. Right. I guess it depends on your uh, your 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 goal. If you want somebody to go start reading Spider Man comics, you know, for all the amazing things I want to say about this movie, I feel like, but yeah, this. If your goal is to get someone to read Spider-Man comics, this is not a good intro. Well, that's the thing, right? I think that that's why people are so divided about this movie um, in such like weird ways. And, and everybody has so much to say about it is because, yeah, the Raimi movies are like classic Spider-Man in every way. Like they feel exactly like the Ditko comics just moved into the early 2000s. But like this like this movie and like homecoming as well but this one particularly they are 100% focused on doing new things that we haven't seen with Spider-Man before 
like location wise and and like and story wise and even just visually and stuff like it they are focused on new things they don't want to retrace anything um, which i think is like a mm-hmm. partially a big reaction to like how people responded to the andrew garfield movies where they were like this is just doing all the same stuff the raimi movies did um right and so this is like they're like new 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 and 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 kind of leaving some of the classic elements behind in doing that and i think that that makes a lot of people uncomfortable i wonder if a similar line could be drawn the relationship between these movies and the 616 comics if a similar parallel could be drawn with the relationship between the ultimate comics and the 616 comics yeah yeah not that these are the ultimate universe at all <laughs> they're they're not but that but that you know, like it's a similar it's like the similar ideas similar concepts but everything's in a different order and a lot of it looks a little bit different because they're doing different new stuff with it um Hmm. Right, because like you know, you know long long time Spider-Man fans at that point didn't you know a lot of them didn't like Ultimate because it wasn't like entirely classic Spider-Man and and but but you know little me in the library like needed Ultimate Spider-Man to get to the comics so it's like you have to imagine that a lot of a lot of little little Ethans out there are like enjoying this as their introduction to Spider-Man and it's and so like you know the, the, then the question kind of becomes like well but is this like like Spider-Man in its core. And like, I think that that's kind of what people are like arguing about. What's weird though, is like, I think maybe I'm wrong, but I think like Spider-Verse is universally loved and that's got a lot of baggage. Yeah. And isn't, isn't classic Spider-Man at all. It's not even the Spider-Man, you know? Right. So, so why are they fine with that, but not MCU Spider-Man? I've noticed that that distinction, it's not even the real Spider-Man. That, distinction really loosens people up to oh. en- let themselves enjoy something more yeah that could be a you know, reason yeah if the kinds of stuff that were done and i apologize up front because my audio glitches out sometimes so ethan if i ever sound like i'm talking over you or over mike i don't really mean to gotcha. um but this the stuff that was done with batman in superman versus batman Mm-hmm. is not unlike stuff that was done at some point in the comics and some Batman future, you know, right. all the different things that have been done with Batman, both in and out of continuity. Mm-hmm. BVS was nothing new. It just, all that sort of stuff had been done before, just not really with the main six, the main, you know, earth prime Batman. So since Batman versus Superman is trying to present a, yeah, but this is the main Batman. So it's like, well, right, right. that's not my Batman. Even though, yeah, it is your Batman. It's just taking all the different kind of variations on a theme that have been done before. That's the era we're in, right? Because this is the Marvel Universe in the movies right now. And so people want this to be the definitive Spider-Man in that universe. Um, but right. the, but they're also trying not to do the same stuff that's been in other movies, which was like in a lot of cases, definitive Spider-Man. Yeah. So it kind of creates a problem because everybody wants it to be like the version um, when it might just be a version. So, but on a, on another note or not the same note, but just to, for those listening or maybe who get upset about these sort of things, we're in a time now that's a lot different than it used to be. Like when I was a kid and you made a Spider-Man movie, that was very precious because that didn't happen very often. Oh, yeah. So get it right. 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 Now it's like, you know what? You don't like this Batman. Hold your breath. There's going to be a Joker movie in two, in a year, you know? Here, here comes Robert Pattinson. <laughs> right. Hold your breath again. There's going to be another Batman movie or an animated series or something you can latch on to that you love. So maybe, like, let's not all... Let's not all go crazy every time a movie sucks now because there's going to be another one. Yeah. Um, we're going to ignore the phone and keep on going. Um... <laughs> 
It reminds me. Oh yeah, because which superheroes have the most screen presence in America? Batman and Spider Man. Yeah. If there's anyone who has room for some media experimentation, mm-hmm. it's Batman and Spider Man because all of the regular shit has already been done. Right. Let's try to find the same themes that make Batman and make Spider-Man, and let's do those in new and different ways. Absolutely. Which I think this movie does well. Yeah, there's there's some weirdness with, like, I know over on my show, like, we're wanting, we're going to do a special pretty soon that's about Spider-Man fans right now, because there's a lot of YouTube channels, and, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of YouTube channels and Instagram pages and stuff, and they're all, like they're sources of like argument and debate like more than like ever at this point and okay because everybody wants to talk about what makes like real spider-man and it's i don't know it's it's just really interesting because like I, watching this movie i was trying to think of it just as the movie it is without thinking about all of that because i was already like oh i can see some people are gonna say this and this and this um yeah so it, you know like we haven't even really started talking about the movie yet because like i feel like the reactions are so like i don't know it's big it's interesting it is interesting. Um, do we have any other preliminary or general thoughts you want to talk about before we go to dive into? When did you guys see it? How often have you seen it? I've seen it once. Me Ethan? too. I have seen. I've seen it twice. Okay, so okay, you're the so expert. You have to remember more because your bra- your brain is fresher and you've seen it twice. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I saw it. Uh, I guess I saw it opening weekend. I think I. I don't think I saw the third. No, no, no. It came I out did. on Tuesday, didn't it? Yeah, I saw it Tuesday for $5. We saw it Yeah, a weird morning. Tuesday release, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For some reason, Tuesdays are $5 around here, and they honored that even with a brand new movie. Oh, so. see, we have the Tuesday $5 thing, but they were like, nah, this is Spider-Man opening day. <laughs> oh, I know. I wasn't going to go opening day, but it's like, $5? I'm going. Yeah, this yeah. is crazy. You guys are dumb. So... Uh, one sentence reactions did did or, or not one sentence, but you know, overall reactions. Uh, Ethan, what'd you think of the movie? I loved it. Okay, Mike. I after it got past Endgame and started becoming its own thing, I loved it. Oh, you mean like the morning and everything else? Like it took a you know because it's this is the movie right after Endgame, so of course you have to do like a half hour of Endgame shenanigans of some kind. To wrap mm-hmm. up, or you know, or re- recreate the universe that you've completely destroyed in in Endgame, you've got to like kind of put the pieces back together. And Spider Man, unfortunately, that's his job because it's he's the first movie after Endgame. So once it kind of got past that, because I'm still scarred for life on Endgame, kind of. So <laughs> once it got past that and just and just became a Spider Man movie, then I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I have kind of. I think my my kids and their reactions to these films have helped to shape my reactions to these films. Mm -hmm. And there is a deep love that's even kind of weird for the Tom Holland Spider-Man in my house. So I went into it expecting to have a really good time from the start. And Mm -hmm. and I did. Um, Good. Even the Infinity War stuff. You know, wow, I thought, you were gonna, I thought you were about to that say you didn't bad, like it. Yeah. Be like, that was like the first time in the history of this show that John didn't like something. It's like, whoa. No. <laughs> what are we going to do? In the history of comics that John didn't like. <laughs> How are we going to discuss this? He didn't like it. I don't know what to it's do just now. Spider-Man right. far, it's just Spider-Man Far From Home and Strange Tales. Those are the two things that John doesn't like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I try to like Strange Tales. It's just gotten harder the longer it's gone. Um so yeah, even the stuff that was following up on on Endgame, I liked and valued because it it helps shape this particular mm-hmm. um, 
Spider-Man. And I went into this movie. I didn't go into this, but like, you know, just in the general time frame and since Infinity War, I've been saying, I don't want I don't want Peter's loss of Tony Stark to replace his loss of Uncle Ben. Yeah. I don't want that. And it kinda has. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I find myself kinda chill with it. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that more as we get into it. And maybe that could even be our first talking point if you want. Yeah. But but yeah, I really like the movie. I have seen people unhappy with like the whole Spider-Man as an apprentice rather than just being his own person. That's the main thing I see people talk about. There's it, like, And Griffin and I always refer to it and often on our show as Iron Man Jr. People love to call him Iron Man Jr., um, and, uh-huh. and that center, and that center is not even just around him kind of being the sidekick to Tony's Iron Man, but like also like yeah, him replacing Uncle Ben in a way. So yeah, I, I have a lot to say about that. If you want to start with that, okay. Cool. So let's let's preface this a little bit with the fact that this is comics, <laughs> like um, especially for you know, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit weird, Ethan, because you are you are significantly younger than Michael and I are. <laughs> So whenever I say younger reader, I'm probably talking about you, but I'm also Aww. not trying to single you out and say this is your opinion. But <laughs> I would think that like with younger readers coming into a post-Civil War Spider-Man or getting their comics on around the time of Civil War, this kind of thing would have a really high appeal. Yeah. Because in the road to Civil War was Avengers Tower, Iron Spider, and all that stuff. And that's definitely what they're playing into with all this. But that doesn't necessarily mean that a particular viewer has to like it. So, Ethan, why don't you take point on this? Uh, on, on like, which thing? Kind of just... Yeah, what do you, what do you, what do you like think of it? Like, dislike, or, hate, love, what? Yeah. Um, like, I just... I, like, I see, like, I see so many points that people make. And like, and, like I said, specifically about the Tony stuff and kind of the role that this Spider-Man plays in, in this world... Um, and like you said, with, you know, having all these, these things, these exciting things that we know of like, like Iron Spider and, and all the, and the way that all those things tie into this specific universe. Um, and then there's like a bit of backlash of people being like, well, Spider-Man should be his own man and he, he shouldn't kind of be a side to Tony's thing and an add on and whatever. Um, but honestly, from the get go, um, I have really, really liked the way that, they've worked Spider-Man into this world because I remember when the amazing Spider-Man films were coming out, the Andrew Garfield ones, I like a a thing that I would say all the time was like, God, I just wish I could see Peter Parker interact with Tony Stark. Like that would be amazing. Um, And like, we've gotten that to like the biggest degree possible where it's, yeah, he's, he's his mentor and he's his, like uh, his role model and whatever. And, um, and then you know, spoilers for Endgame. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we're uh, you know, Tony. Tony bites the dust, and now we've got Peter having to kind of either step out of that shadow or kind of step up to it. Um, and I don't know. I think that that's really, really great because I don't. I don't think you can do the Uncle Ben stuff ever as well as it was done in the Raimi movies. Like, I think Spider-Man 1 is, like, practically a perfect origin for Sp- Spider-Man. Like, the origin done perfectly. Um, and and I, I don't think that every movie that's made about the character has to trace the same beats. Like, like we know that Uncle Ben 
happened. We know that all of that happened. We, you know, we see the suitcase in this movie with Uncle Ben's initials on it. We know it happened. And in, in Homecoming, he says, like, he mentions with Aunt May, he's like, I can't tell her I'm Spider-Man, like, not after everything that she's been through recently and stuff. Like, we know, we know that that stuff exists. And so for his role in this universe to mostly kind of center around his relationship with Tony as Tony kind of stepped up um, to almost kind of be another father figure... I, I really like that, and, and this movie kind of doubled down on it. Like, I wondered if with people doing all of the Iron Man Jr. kind of commenting and stuff, if there would be a little bit of backpedaling from it, but this movie doubles down in the fact that we see him forging a suit with Back in Black playing in the background. Um, like, it really is just like he is kind of stepping up to be the next Iron Man in this universe. Um, but not, you know, but he is like Spider-Man. He's not like, you know, it's not like he's like the iron spider is what I wear from now on. And also I'm growing a goatee. Like he's doing his own thing, but he's kind of taking that, that place in the universe. And I, I really, really like that. I, I've, I've enjoyed that a lot because I think that the heart of this character is the same. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's going to be hard to grow a goatee with that frog in his mouth. Um, <laughs> Mike, what do you what are your thoughts on on I forget fir- how to describe what we're talking about. The the first time I was aware that I was supposed to care that he doesn't ever talk about Uncle Ben was when we had Don on the show and he cared. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that was the thing we were all bothered by, you know, because it never bothered me at all. Because in a in Civil War, he doesn't say Uncle Ben, I don't think, but he pretty much says the line, mm-hmm. almost says the line, goes goes all you know, goes around in circles about that line. And I felt the sorrow and the pain in that scene. And it was just kind of like, okay, I'm good. I know why this guy's doing what he's doing. Yeah, he very you know? painfully says like when the bad things happen, like, and, and yeah. like, they ha- like they happen because of you. Like, yeah, like it's, it's, to- it's all there. <laughs> if you don't do, if you don't do something about it, then that's on you. Mm-hmm. Right. So he said it, he had it all there. So I never really even noticed. And to me, like Peter's not like a Bruce Wayne type who sits in front of the mantle of his uncle Ben and (laughs) mourns his loss every night. You know, like John and I have been reading Ditko era for a little while now. And he's only mentioned uncle Ben, like I think once since the origin, as far as I can remember. So it's not like a daily comic thing where he's just crying about it all the time. You know, (laughs) it's just like his overall motivation. And I do like also that it makes sense to me that if you suddenly have superpowers and you have no father figure anymore, that you maybe would find a new one. And finding one in Tony made sense, especially since conversely, Tony has horrible daddy issues. So (laughs) it's fun to watch him work out his daddy issues with a prodigy slash, you know, son placeholder in a way. So I I have enjoyed their relationship from the beginning. That's how it started. So it should just continue, I think. And I thought it was really cool that... um, um, you know, that whole design scene in the end where he's using the same tech and yeah, ACDC, that was awesome. My, uh, my reaction to all this is, is kind of become twofold. Um, one, I was starting to have thoughts a lot along the lines of Michael was just saying of like, you know, finding a new father figure. So my dad died when I was 16. Um, so I grew up as a guy without a dad for a while. Um, and eventually my relationship with my wife's father became close enough and trusted enough that he has become my new dad. I call him dad. I don't call him dad out of I'm married to your daughter way. I call him dad as you are my now surrogate father dad. Um, and it's a really good relationship and one that I have needed as, as an adult. Um, so the idea that Peter, having lost Uncle Ben, 
is being given the opportunity to find a new mentor and a new father figure in this new superhero life is pretty great because, okay, with great power becomes, must come great responsibility. All right, he's got that. I mean, he might occasionally shirk it from now and, now and again, like he did in the comics and everything. But Uncle Ben theoretically helped him get that far. So he knows he needs to take the responsibility. But now how to be that? How to be a superhero? In ASM 1 through 10, he had to figure that out on his own. And, you know, he did a great job because it's comics. But for a real teenager to have to learn how to be a superhero in a world where there are superheroes, it only makes sense that he's going to find a superhero and latch onto and, and start learning from him. Um, and that's what he's done with Tony. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, both the comic and then much, much, much more in the cartoon, play with the idea of him being taken under the wing of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury and the other heroes to help become the ultimate Spider-Man. In the comics, he died before that could really become a thing, but the cartoon started from that point and said, hey, we're going to train you to be a Spider-Man. So there's that side of it. There's also the side of Ditko's comics are really old, (laughs) and they were a really long time ago. And not everyone who's reading Spider-Man has read those. Not everyone who's watching Spider-Man has read those. So I'm kind of reminded of the line from Animal Crackers. One man and one woman was good enough for your grandmother, but who wants to marry your grandmother? Nobody. (laughs) Not even your grandfather. So um, if we can move forward from that, those story points, take the same core of the character and do new things with it, I'm on board. But again, I loved Man of Steel, and that's what they did with Superman, so I don't know. Well, I think, I mean, well, th- I don't know. sorry, go ahead, Mike. I, was, I, I don't know about you guys, but I have a wife who, like, doesn't even want to watch an MCU movie unless Iron Man's in it in some way. <laughs> right. So that's another factor. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you have to keep these things alive, right? Like, like, like yeah. that. They there are so, there's such a saturation of comic book movies right now. Um, and like, not only do they have to worry about keeping them fresh for people, but like keeping specific characters and franchises fresh and and distinct so that they can tie into each other and be a a living thing and whatever. And like for Spider-Man to keep happening and for us, because we've had like seven Spider-Man movies now for it to keep moving forward, like it cannot hit the same beats. It has to like move forward and do new things and, and also tie into this thing. Like Endgame is the biggest movie ever um, after avatar, of course. Um, and, and, uh, and so, and so it has to, you know, Spider-Man has to work into this world for, for it to keep working for people to stay interested because this is where things are at now. Yeah. Like definitely it's, it's Yeah. I think another cool element about the whole mentor thing is that it also taps into Peter's intelligence, which is a thing I would think Spider-Man fans would like, you know, because for a long time, it's like there was him just being a photographer and everybody wondering why he doesn't have 12 doctorates and is a millionaire by now, you know. And so I like that they're kind of going that direction with him in a way. I mean, he's still in high school, obviously, but he understands Tony's technology and gets to play with it now so i'm interested to see where they go right with that. that doesn't get explored in the comics a lot he'll like get a lab job um like with horizon labs or mm-hmm. whatever and there is that one storyline where like he, be- he you know starts parker industries and whatever but like the angle that, that this is coming at that from yeah where he can kind of work on designing his own suits and working with this tech and whatever like that's that's really cool and that's stuff that we have again stuff we haven't seen with this character yeah spider web bombs or whatever they were yes, called. That was pretty awesome. It was. <laughs> that was pretty cool. 
he he even did a friggin' web parachute. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. very good, but he did one. <laughs> uh, as far as as far as just just on a side note, as far as Endgame versus Avatar, and Endgame being the top best movie, if you give Avatar the white savior penalty, like take fifty million off of it Oof. for the white savior penalty, <laughs> then Endgame is the top movie. <laughs> um, anyways, so yeah, um, okay, so. One of the things that I want to talk about was, does Peter Parker, as a superhero, or as a person who is driven to being a superhero by responsibility, does he have any business shirking his Spider-Man-ness to go play with his friends in Europe? In 47 million words or less, yes or no, and why? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, can, I can go ahead and step forward and say, like, absolutely not, but he does stuff like that all the time. Like, I, I was just listening to the last episode that you guys put out, which was the, like, the whole end of Spider-Man story, and, like, like, and Mike made a comment about, like, how many times do we see Peter just throw his costume in the trash? Like, like, so many times. Like, Peter, like, I think people like to think of Peter as like a like the like uh, shining uh, symbol of like virtuousness and whatever, but like um, and like that's what he strives to be. But like he also like and in this version is a kid, and and even when he's an adult, like he doesn't always just make the greatest decision of all time. Like there are times when he gets a bit you know self centered. Like he he focuses on what he wants and needs um and so like yeah in this movie like it, it does kind of strike you that he's like he like just puts his costume away and he's like no nah, i'm not even taking it with me it is striking but it, like i think it's supposed to be because like after all the stuff that he just went through yeah of course like he just wants a minute <laughs> you know um i like um for one thing he's a vigilante so i mean Technically, he's not supposed to be doing it anyway. So yeah, okay. I guess you could quit whenever you want, right? <laughs> I mean, he—it's—it's he, it's self-imposed. Whenever I want, man. It, it's self-imposed <laughs> responsibility. It's not like he's an elected official who's letting people down. Yeah. You know, he could just quit. But the other thing is, is in this movie, like there was that camera scene where everybody's taking a picture of him at this weird charity thing that we have to talk about, and like he has like a panic attack. Um, and I was hoping they were maybe going to do more of that because it kind of harkened back to Iron Man three and his own trauma after the original Avengers movie, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and how we, now we have this kid who's been into space and I mean, fought the scariest bad guy, purple monster guy in the world and actually died for five years. And, you know, so it seemed like he was struggling with the idea of, you know, maybe this is all a bit too serious for me. Um, but they kind of didn't, they kind of, that was just the one panic attack and then they never really did that again. So I don't know. Yeah, I think Griffin made the comparison. There's one scene that I really hate in Spider-Man 2, the Raimi one, where uh, it's the one thing I don't like about that movie, which is uh, when Peter Parker has quit being Spider-Man and then he like walks into an alley and he sees a guy getting mugged and like people are uh -huh. beating him up and then he like walks away. And I really, really hate that scene because, like, I understand the idea of it, but I think Peter Parker as a character, if he saw something like that, whether he had powers or not, would throw himself into that situation and get beat up himself. Like, um, and, yeah. and I, and, I, and, yeah. I, and, and that's a different dynamic seeing a crime and exactly. seeing somebody getting hurt and walking away. At least that's yell a, fire. Exactly. That's that's yeah. that's not the same situation. And like and like in this, like he's he makes the point. He's like, there are like so many superheroes. Like like I could take a minute to go on a school trip. Um, I think that this harkens back to one of or harkens forward since we haven't talked about it much yet to one of the big themes of my thoughts of this film. Um, Peter Parker is a teenager, yeah. mm -hmm. and one of the big 
attractions to the 1960s Peter Parker concept from the Stanley Steve Ditko early discussions on how to make it work is Peter Parker is a teenager and a superhero. And one of the things that makes him interesting is trying to balance being a teenager mm-hmm. with being a superhero. Um, this movie takes that idea into lots of new and interesting <laughs> 2019 teenager places. Yeah. Um, and one of those is he wants to go on a field trip with his friends. Can I please just put the Spider-Man costume down so I can go on a field trip with my friends? Um, and that is very, very teenager. Um, so I think it definitely works. Uh, I think the idea of expecting a high school, what year is he in? Junior year at this point, senior year at this point, I'm not entirely sure. Um, whatever it is, he's having to do it over again because five years got missed. Um, you know, he wants to go and do that. He wants to find the girl that he likes. He wants to tell her that he likes her on top of the most romantic place in the world in his mind. <laughs> and and that's totally cool. Um, he's not shunting away crime that he sees. He's basically pulling a Superman and saying, you know what? I have to sleep sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't always be there stopping every criminal. I need a rest. And for Spider-Man, that's a trip to Europe. Right. Um, okay, so cool. Uh, I've I've initiated the last couple of topics. Is there anything specific that's been uh, eating at your mind, Mr. Michael? Oh, sure. No. Um, <laughs> well, like I said, like I said, the beginning was just a kind of a struggle. I think one of the things I really disliked, and I'm not sure how they could fix it because that would be a whole other thing. But like the last movie ends with May finding out who he is. Yeah. And then we don't really get that follow-up. It just cuts to them being fine with it. And she has some sort of post-Endgame charity that she uses his fame for. I don't know. I just found that kind of jarring. And I wish there was a little more of a transition there or some sort of scene that explains how they got over it. Yeah, you, you or, cut right to it. One of my one of my only real caveats with the, this is like, yeah, the, like May and Happy. I have some like weird things with that because I just – I don't understand. I don't, I don't know what we're doing with Aunt May. Like, cause I remember like when Marissa Tomei was cast, I, w- I was like, oh, it's kind of weird. Um, but then I remember hearing the filmmakers be like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's like, he's, you know, as young as he is, like, this is, you know, she's like almost like a big sister sort of like, cause like that's the age that his aunt would probably be and whatever. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, that's interesting. And I liked her a lot in Homecoming, but she wasn't in it very much. And then that ending, yeah, is so like interesting of her finding out. And, and it was, it, that was like such a shock. Um, and then in this I don't know. She's like, she's not real. She's kind of a non-entity. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it is a, it is a weird choice. I just remember thinking like, is anything going to happen with Aunt May? Cause like, yeah, she's like, she's kind of just like, yeah, like let's talk at the homeless shelter as Spider-Man. And then I'm going to, I'm going to date happy, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah. I don't know, not much else. <laughs> she was way more interesting in the first one. Cause they had that fun dinner scene yes. and they had the whole like t- teaching him how to dance and getting him to the party I and like that. trying to get him to lighten up and him, her worried that he's disappearing all the time. Like there, she had a place in his life, but then of course this is a vacation trip and she didn't go. So I guess what are you going to do? Yeah. But, right. Finding stuff for her to do in that story probably was a little bit of a creative struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once again, ugh, because you're making your secret identity pointless because you're working publicly right next to the one person you don't want your enemies <laughs> to strike. So it's like, ah, that drives me crazy a little bit. 
like that kind of stuff. But okay, well, I don't know. I whatever. mean, he was like you know he was their celebrity guest speaker at the homeless shelter. Like I don't know. I don't think it was. He was like like she's like here's my good friend Spider Man. Like I think it was like oh we got Spider Man. Oh, was to a one time thing. It seemed like it. Yeah, because he was like thanks for having oh. me, guys. Um, oh, I I thought it was like they were going around doing that all the time, but I don't know. <laughs> just I guess a it world could have been one, a one a one off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Did they actually call it the the feast shelter in the in the movie? It's a slightly different name. Like it has some of the same words, but they don't arrange into feast, which kind of bothered me. <laughs> right, because it's obviously a nod to the yeah. feast shelter, but it's not the feast shelter. Yeah. Why not just call it the feast shelter? Okay. <laughs> um, maybe uh, maybe a charity for homeless and and, and down on their luck people, and calling it feast was decided to be maybe slightly out of taste. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, the the happy yeah, thing is such a funny choice. It's just like, and she's dating happy. Like, it's like all right. <laughs> Although it, it was it was weird. funny that he thought they were dating and she thought they weren't. That was kind of that was great in yeah. the end. <laughs> well, it was funny because there's obviously romantic romance between them during the course of the story. Uh-huh. But you have you have Peter and MJ's story, Ned and Betty's story, Maze and Happy's story, and they all take different paths and end in, you know, somewhat, you know, different places. And it's kind of funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you have these three different parallel romances that just are different. Um, I was a little bit thrown off when Tomei was cast as Aunt May. But I've always thought, now, I have been a defender of Aunt May's age in the comics, but I'll admit, you have to do a few really extreme arithmetics. <laughs> To get to justify why she's 173 <laughs> in Amazing Fantasy 15. Right, right. Um, it's it's conceivable that a family could fall out that way. It is uh-huh. definitely possible. Is it anywhere near the norm portion of the bell curve? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. It is not. She has Whereas, to be the oldest of 28 children or something. Exactly. Spider-Man's supposed Whereas to be Marissa relatable, Tomei- and so few of us have an aunt that's a corpse. <laughs> Right. Well, actually, a lot of us have answers who are corpses. I mean, like a <laughs> living corpse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Marissa Tomei's casting makes sense from a, this is the aunt of the child who is a 15-year-old in high school. Yes, this makes sense. This is reasonable to expect. Yeah. Um, I think that Sally Fields' casting in The Amazing Spider-Man was similarly youthened, just not quite as much. But you know, yeah, I love Sally. Made Field more Damon. sense than yeah. what it's was just, it? Three hundred? How old is she? Three seventy-two? I forget what it was. <laughs> I think uh, it says sometime in the comics how old she is. I think it's five hundred twenty-seven. <laughs> I think I think people people's eyes were open to comic book ages of parents and aunts when um, Smallville cast young Kent. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, oh yeah, these people shouldn't be ninety-eight years old, should they? <laughs> and and it's been like a it's been a younger trend on future castings ever since i think oh jonathan and martha started oh jonathan and martha you had a baby and didn't tell anybody but you're both like you're a thousand i don't understand how that yeah (laughs) right and even the 1970s comics twigged to that (laughs) and they like did this whole story where jonathan and martha got youthened and in the early 70s jonathan and martha stopped looking like the Lois and Clark 90s TV show Jonathan and Martha mm-hmm. and started looking more like the Smallville Jonathan and okay. Martha. Yeah, which makes more sense. It does. It does make more sense because, yeah, Aunt May, 
does not need to be her comics age, whatever that was, 825. <laughs> I don't remember what it said. John, I can't help it. You brought up Ned and Betty. I got to talk about Ned and Betty. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Ned and Betty. Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, best part of the movie, question mark? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. I could not believe it. I There are two things in this movie that I like freaked out about, and this was one of them. I was like, oh my God, they did it. Ned and Betty. I like, wouldn't never saw that coming in the slightest and it was so funny because obviously it's just kind of a, a bit for the movie like they it's like over by the end but like man i, I felt like it was so well executed because i think the humor in this movie like homecoming i i found so like strangely funny like the jokes have real personality to them because I, I think with some of the mcu stuff like ant-man some of the humor is a bit generic but homecoming for me like i think almost every joke in homecoming like really lands um, and in this movie, I think it's a bit more of a mixed bag. Like, there's some stuff earlier on that's... And, like, with the teachers and stuff that I think is a little, like, nah. But, like, Ned and Betty is, like, oh, my God. I was, like, crying. I thought that was so funny. Um, okay, quick aside. As a teacher, I both have known and have been <laughs> those guys. So, I'm just going to say, the teacher humor was often very... See, I, lo- I love I love the... Um, whatever the teacher's name is that his wife left him and pretend she got Thanos snapped. Uh-huh. Um, I love him. It, yeah. it was more Mr. Dell that wasn't totally working for me, other than that one line where he's like, as a man of science, I'd have to say witches. Uh, I think I, I thought that, <laughs> that was an excellent joke. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I forget what, what, what our topic was. Oh, I just jumped Ned over to Ned and Betty. Go Ned and Betty. I think the classmates are an interesting topic. So what, so that's another thing. Like, what do you think of this? It seemed like, except for the one guy we never met before, like, it's awfully convenient that they all, what is it? Blipped or whatever yeah, the frick it's called? Yeah, it, so, it is. And this movie mostly, kinda, this movie mostly uh, plays the blip as a joke, um, like, early in the movie. That was kind of cool. Yeah, you all you all have IDs now that can get you booze, but you're really not 21. <laughs> Did you got were you guys off put by like the whole like in memoriam thing at the beginning and like and kind of just being like um like the way that we kind of saw the marching band get blipped back and stuff like the very humorous turn to to the Thanos snap stuff like how did you feel about that? I was kind of all but rolling on on the floor laughing about it. <laughs> um in Memoriam comes on the screen and it's Comic Sans. Well, first of all, it's the Marvel freaking logo <laughs> and we're hearing the openings to And I Will Always Love You, yeah. right? And then it gets to In Memoriam and then you get to Tony Stark and I, <laughs> and I I didn't know where it was going, but I immediately grabbed the vibe they were going for. Like, you know, this really, you know, teenage high schooler tribute to the man crush that I've always had <laughs> and never wanted to admit to my friends. Um that Peter has for Tony Stark. Only it's not even Peter expressing it. It's it's Betty and what's his face and Ionella from Untold Tales of Spider Man. Yeah, from Untold Tales of Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> which you can hear John I did, like, and I cover it. over on Spider Man. <laughs> right. I thought it was cool to see like footage or fake footage of the band disappearing and reappearing because that's like one thing we didn't really get from Endgame is seeing real world. Uh, we saw the consequences sort of, but not like. The actual mo- we saw superheroes disappearing, but not regular people. So it was kind of neat to see see that. Yeah, and I think that's um, why that, this movie makes a really good kind of epilogue to Endgame because yeah, it's 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 uh-huh. kind of a turn of like it's a bit more upbeat, and then yeah, we're seeing kind of the ramifications um, on a more personal level. 
Uh, oh my god! And we got like the low res picture of the vision um, in the in yes. the memorial, and then like Getty images. Like that's so that's so good. Um, but like whenever when the low res image happened, I was like, wait, what? What exactly is the format we're talking <laughs> about here? And then they said Getty images. Like, wait, is this a student presentation? <laughs> yep. A nice a nice little sequel to the like a film by Peter Parker thing in Homecoming. Um, <laughs> Uh, did you guys did you guys want to talk about Mysterio or did you have more about the classmates? So here's what's cool what they did with Mysterio, in my opinion, is they made him Mysterio. Oh yeah. Um like on point and the whole like cause I wasn't really sure if they were gonna do that. I mean, you see that trailer and you think, oh well, he's obviously lying, he's a bad guy. But then I'm like, well, if I went there, do they don't they know I'm gonna go there? In which case are they gonna try and change this up and trick me? And they didn't. And it seemed very straightforward. And at the end of the day, I was like, yeah, I dig that they did that. I dig that it, they just kept his origin pretty much on point the way it was. He's the fake hero who comes in and he's really a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And then I also, and I was also thinking like, you know, it may not have tricked me, but I bet you there's eight bazillion people who don't know who Mysterio is. Oh, yeah. So they were probably tricked. And it helps that Jake Gyllenhaal is so likable. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, he was really cool. He was very, he was almost very like Superman. Like he was so like, and, and yeah. it's funny because my fiance and I went to it together, and we just kept looking at each other and like shaking our heads whenever he would talk about his backstory, like the bit when he's like uh-huh. touching his wedding ring dramatically, and he's like, "I'm gonna do what I should have done in the first place." We were like, "You're so full of it." Um, it's yeah. very superhero movie. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. I, I, you can check my receipts. I have always said this. Mysterio is my favorite Spider-Man villain, uh, and it's only slightly ironically because um, he's just so ridiculous and over the top and fun. Like in every adaptation, like in the spectacular uh-huh. cartoon and stuff, like he's just kind of a jerk who's so full of himself and a fraud. Um, and, and his, and his gimmick is one of the most visually fun and his costume is so insane. Um, and this movie just like captured all of that, but also like, you know, grounded it in that way that the MCU does where it's like, yeah, but you know, he's like spurned by Tony, just like everybody in this universe. Um, like, and was it the uh, spectacular version that had the, uh, Mysterio kind of voice? yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. See the uh, the trailer dropped right around the time that we covered issue thirteen, mm-hmm. and we couldn't talk about it at the time because Michael hasn't seen the trailer yet. But whenever that trailer dropped, and we had just read that issue, which is all about him coming in and being the brand new superhero in town yes. and the one who beat Spider Man, like that trailer hit those vibes. Oh yeah, you know, and it's just like. Are they really good? Are they really going to do like he comes in and he's the hero and he's loved by all, and then it's all a trick, um, which is exactly what they ended up doing. And I, and I, was, I was like, yeah. And of course, like I knew that's where it was going, but like there was a minute where they had me doubting it. I was like, oh no, is this like? Uh-huh. Did they kind of mess with the the idea? Um, like, is he really from like a multiverse? Because we want to establish a multiverse. But then as soon as Spidey's web hits that like invisible thing, I was like, oh okay, here we go. I think it's they they sowed seeds of doubt when they had those great moments of just the two of them talking. Right, right. And and him being like maybe the new mentor mm-hmm. to Spider Man. You know, it's like okay, are they are they really going to make this guy the next Buzz Lightyear or something? <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but um, I love that they kept the costume too. I mean, obviously they updated it a little bit with glowy stuff, but like that's the most bonkers Steve Ditko designed <laughs> outfit ever. 
that he's ever done. And he's done quite a few bonkers outfits in, in the most glorious way. I mean that by, mm-hmm. um, and they kept it and they sold it too, because I remember reading that first Mysterio thinking that's an odd choice for like to dress up like that when you're trying to pass yourself off as a new superhero, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a weird, a weird it green, like an alien. Head. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, why are you doing that when you're not trying to scare people? Why aren't you trying to look like Superman or something, you know? And, but then they like pulled it off in this movie. He does kind of seem like this cool, superhero dude who can fight these elementals it's, it's such a wild thing to see the fishbowl on like dorito bags uh-huh. like it's just <laughs> like like on the merchandise <laughs> for this movie like it's just like oh it's a spider-man pizza box and there's mysterio like it's it's a wild childhood thing yeah and they made the fishbowl work oh yeah yeah which is the weirdest part of it all because like it doesn't even really work as a comics design it's like <laughs> I'm not supposed to see this guy's head in a fishbowl, but his head should be right there. And I think at some point later they said, no, his fishbowl is made of the same two-way mirror stuff that that Spider-Man's eyes are made of. You can only see, like, the vague impression of a head shape in there. Like, okay, I guess, you know, comics and whatever. Um, But to turn it into, like, this, like, you know, magic technology, like all of costumes are and, and, and stuff these days, helmet... Just was like uh, okay, that that actually the works. bits when he and I like that. Oh, it, I like that it kind of matched the helmet he wore when he's behind the scenes doing the doing the uh, holographic stuff. That's what I was know? gonna say. I like love he also, that when he's, he also had a round helmet when he's like in the motion capture suit with the dome on. That's yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, um, his, his character was hilarious actually because even though he was a bad guy, I never really hated hated him or anything and a lot of times he made me laugh even after we knew he was a bad guy that stuff about <laughs> what was that lady like ironing his cape the whole movie and like are you gonna still need the cape yes <laughs> we're gonna need the cape like he's just trying to hold his composure amazing yes, yeah Jake yes, Dylan is amazing yes, Dolores, he, he kills it we're gonna need the cape I really really think he yeah. killed him in this movie like he's cause he's such a he was he's like the worst but he's so charming yeah he's like this swarmy Ted talk guy or something <laughs> it's great the swarmy TED Talk guy. That's exactly who he is. I did want to say a little bit about Ned and Betty because we kind of uh, we, we went through there and I lost my brain for right. a second. But like one of the things I liked about that, A, was that it friggin' happened. <laughs> you know, because I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of these characters don't have last names. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of stuff like, okay, this guy's Ned. Is he supposed to be that Ned? You know, um, mm-hmm. Flash is one of the few characters that has a last name of, of Thompson, like in the comics. Uh, but as far as official names, like in the credits or, or in the scripts, you just don't get them. So I wasn't sure if they were ever going to do Ned and Betty. I also forgot that Betty Brandt even exists in this universe until <laughs> I realized that that actress was playing Betty Brandt in the Far From Home trailer. Right. Um, so the fact that they even did it was was pretty great. And... The the humor that came out of Ned's entire journey in this movie as like a a, a a teenage boy who knows how women work, who knows his way around woman relationships and everything else. He he does the entire spectrum from like 20-year-old bachelor to 35-year-old <laughs> spurned guy. But who's like cool with it and not like being misogynistic and, and evil about it either. But like, like he's he's cool with like this relationship didn't work out, <laughs> and it's just it was it was great. He's like, we were kids then, Peter. I, I, I'm, we were children <laughs> last week. <laughs> so at least they didn't do the whole Betty Brant goes crazy and thinks her mom is still alive, and so is Ned thing. You know that 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 was good. They left that out. Did you guys did you guys continue to watch trailers and shorts as they were released or? 
Were you smart enough to just like not look anymore after a while? I dropped out after the first trailer, but then like on Twitter and stuff, okay. you know, you see those things that pop up and it shows you like five seconds. And I was every time I was like, Ugh. yeah, like <laughs> I kept trying to yeah. avoid stuff. So in one of the shorts, they put the part where Mary Jane admits that he she yep, knows I he's Spider Man, and it's like it's like why did why did you I do was that so to upset me? About that that. That was gonna be a that was a great scene, mm-hmm. and I the whole time I kept thinking I wish I didn't know this scene was happening it was gonna happen right. already. Right? Why did they do that? That is so That's crazy. Sony for you because for when the Amazing Spider-Man two was coming out, they put the last shot of the movie in the trailer, and they put the shot where Gwen is falling when she's gonna die in the trailer. Like like <laughs> I don't understand Sony. Wow. Yeah, some movie marketing is a weird concept, and I don't always get why they do the things that they do. Um, putting her knowing that she's he's Spider Man in the trailer was a mistake. Um, putting funerals of main characters in trailers <laughs> is never a good idea. <laughs> X Men, Dark Phoenix, like, uh, <laughs> X Men: The Last Stand, Dark Phoenix. Putting Doomsday in the Batman versus Superman trailer? No, that was a bad so movie. Weird. Let that be a cool reveal. I don't know what trailer people are thinking. And then you have the opposite happen where, like, you know, the guy making John Carter doesn't know that he's supposed to have a trailer and the marketing people come to him and say, Where's your trailer? He like slaps a few semi-finished scenes together and makes a trailer and it doesn't do anything for yeah. the marketing for the movie. So you have weird extremes in, in trailer manufacturing. I don't get it. That really was a letdown. It was a, it was a great scene, I though. I mean, that again, that's kind of uh-huh, another. Yeah, that, that's, that's kind scene. of another thing that's like Zendaya. spun into an interesting thing from the comics. Because, like, yeah, like in the comics, Mary Jane knows right from the beginning. Um, I mean, that actually leads really well into like what you guys thought of Zendaya's MJ. I like this MJ. I don't like. It's funny because like. You know, people complain about DC versus Marvel and it's like, oh, they're getting DC wrong all the time. And I'm always thinking, is that really the problem that you have? Because a lot of MCU characters aren't like the comic book versions come to life necessarily. And like this is one of those examples. Like this is not really comic book MJ, but I do like her a lot. So you can can change things up and it still works in my opinion. Yeah. What do you think of her, John? I love seeing seeing Zendaya who is, you know – as a person, she's successful, she's confident, she's attractive, she's out there just being a person, having a great time doing it. Portraying this withdrawn, introverted person who is like emotionally broken slightly and damaged a little bit, but she puts on this facade, which is exactly how I would describe right? Mary Jane yeah. as a young person in the comics. Uh-huh. She's broken. She's emotionally damaged. She has a hard life, home life, and she puts on this facade. The only difference is what the facade is. Right. The facade for this mm. MJ is, you know, something of a, con- uh, of, of a conspiracy freak kind of person. Someone, you know, doesn't trust the government, doesn't trust authority, um, as in, in, very anxious like you can see the anxiety anytime she starts to open up she's just like totally insecure and reminds me a whole whole heck of a lot of the the aging journey my my daughter has gone Mm. through you know becoming an adult becoming a person um so yeah i kind of love this mj more than the comics see right and that's the shocking thing like i was so surprised with how much i love her in this movie um because i i liked her a lot in homecoming i thought that like the jokes that they the one-liners they had with her were great but i was just like where do you take this because they did the mj thing right at the end and i was like okay so they're gonna have her like a scene where she like 
you know, dolls up all of a sudden and her, dyes her hair red, and Peter's <laughs> like, "What?" Because um, I would becomes I, a supermodel, I, right? Because yeah. I would really hate that. Um, but they just they double down on what her character was in the first one, and you're so right. Like it, it really is what Mary Jane is, just pointed in a different direction, and in a direction that's less um kind of stereotypey like i don't think we need to see an mj that's a supermodel like like that's that's that i just i think that's an outdated like archetype for that character and so this was such an interesting idea and then yes she 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 figured out peter was spider-man from the beginning and then um she is a foil to peter's personality in a in a similar way that mary jane is supposed to be because peter is so caught off guard by her every time they talk like he he's like they they're they're so different um yet they mesh together in this really Which cool is way. exactly how he reacts to her and they're amazing. Exactly. Exactly. And they are so freaking cute in this movie too. Like the the scenes where they're like excited to go on a date with each other, like where he he's like I'll meet you in 10 minutes and she's like meet me in 5. Um and then she's going to like check him out when he's changing into his costume and stuff. Like that they have so much chemistry that like I didn't expect and so I was really caught off guard by how much I love them and her specifically in this yeah they better the, not they better not like be cut to them being broken up in the third movie or something like i want more date yeah and ex- me too and and hanging out together there's you know there was a lot of hubbub and to do back in the uh, homecoming days with the way this film was cast you know th- there was there was there was a lot of de-wasping of the spider-man cast of characters uh-huh. which you know i'm always in favor of and I think the whole like Michelle, oh, I go by MJ thing is really just to kind of help dance around the idea of, okay, we've cast this actress who is not, uh, you know, suburban white redhead. And so we're going to give her a name that reflects that. But she also is MJ. That is who she is. And you just need to accept it. Um, so I think her going and tossing that in there at the end of that first movie just kind of sealed that for me. And then that's who she is in this film. There's no doubt from day one that she's MJ in this film. And I love Mary mm-hmm. Jane so much. And it's such a rare thing. Like it's so I've, I've hardly ever seen like a character adapted in a way where the, it's so different. It's on the surface. It seems so different from what the character is in the source material. And yet you just go like, Oh my God, but that is that character though. Like, like that's such a, that's so mm-hmm. interesting. And she's been re- really versatilely adapted in the various media, the cartoons and yeah. stuff. Who MJ is and the different forms of Spider-Man is is really varied from from production to production. But you always have some really core characteristics in there, um, and and some of those, you know, she are, are carried over here, and others she has on her own from the comics that she does differently. It's just I don't know. I can't say enough good stuff about MJ. In this. I totally agree. Yeah. Um. I want I I super want to highlight the visual stuff in this movie the sequence uh, the the whole trip out sequence with Mysterio. Oh my god, is, those were both so good. Uh, that is, that is the stuff I've wanted to see for so many years. Like when Mysterio oh takes off god. his head and like it's like Spider Man's in a snow globe inside the fishbowl. It's just like oh, this is so good. And then he gets hit by a train and it's that, brutal. It was incredible. See. See, sometimes I hate CGI or I think it's a cheat or like they could try harder. But in something like that, man, that is like the only way to do Mysterio. And it just worked so well to finally see that on the screen like in full realization. Mm-hmm. Like that's how fighting Mysterio is. It both both rounds, the one where he loses and the one where he wins. Right. 
with his with this Peter Tingles. Like <laughs> they were just that was just so awesome. That both of those like thrilled me to death. The dozens of Spider Man wrestling. Have, yeah. We have not yet had the word spider sense on screen and they give us the Peter Tingle <laughs> and I love it so 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 much. That's awesome. Um but yeah, Mysterio is just I've I'm not great at describing art and artistic stuff, but I feel like that sequence took some visual language cues from the last act of Spider-Verse. Oh yeah, okay. Mm. Which is a lot of a lot of, a lot of the hectic interdimensional stuff that was going on there. I feel like this movie kind of took took some cues from that. Um and whether it did or not, it, it was it was a really successful scene because Mysterio is supposed to be a huge trip. And um I was put in the mindset while I was watching this because there's one of the one of the Easter egg license plates um, I misinterpreted because I want to say it was ASM 28966 or 28965 or something like that. And what it was meant to be is you see it in the sequence with the giant fire creature and it's a nod to the Molten Man's right, first right. appearance in 28 September 65. But what my brain said was, oh, 289. That's when Ned is unmasked as the Hobgoblin. <laughs> and 65 is the first of the big Mysterio two-parter. So you have this Ned Leeds cool thing, and you have this Mysterio cool oh thing. Oh my god, the big twist um, at the end of the movie is Ned becoming the Hobgoblin. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and I was like, okay, so Ned Leeds being the Hobgoblin, that's you know an interesting choice of Ned Leeds to, to, to make a nod to. But what else are you going to make a nod to about Ned Leeds? <laughs> um but then you had this. So I was immediately thinking about the big two-parter in ASM sixty-five and sixty-six, but it might be sixty-six and sixty-seven. Uh, it's one of those. Um, I saw that Aunt May's license plate was like, AF fifteen or whatever, which is like that's that's so right. cool. But that's a big Mysterio thing, and that's a really big mind trip story for Spider-Man. Mysterio really puts him through the ringer on that, as far as what's real and what's right. not. Um, so I thought it was a really cool. You know, when we went into that sequence, I was already thinking about those kinds of Mysterio stuff. And that bit when Tony comes out of the grave and he's like, if you like, if you were better, he'd still be alive or whatever. Is like, God, like Mysterio, he's so brutal. I really, really liked that. And he's really just messing with Peter's head. Really badly. Um, um, so Mysterio is fantastic because Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep. Mm hmm. Is that yeah. what it is? It's yep. not Gyllenhaal. No, Gyllenhaal. Okay, Gyllenhaal and Jif. Okay, <laughs> just like Maggie. Um, I don't know her. <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, okay. I think of her as Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, okay. I never hear people talk about her, so in my head, it's just always been Gyllenhaal. That I heard, I started hearing people say Gyllenhaal, and I'm like, oh, okay, I've been wrong. Um, that's like three times now. So um, we've talked about Ned and Betty. We've talked about Aunt May. We've talked about Peter some. How about, I feel like I had more to say about Peter as a character in this, not just his beginning stuff, but like where he went. But what, what's uh, something else? Uh, um, how about, about how about the end? Oh, all right, like the uh, the big reveal. Oh man, I, yeah, th- that was some. That was I, listen. I, I don't. I don't. I, I wasn't. I wasn't one hundred percent solid on your language policy here, but that was that was some crazy stuff. <laughs> Our language policy is, you know, don't. Don't mind if you slip and say a swear word. That's basically <laughs> um, Yeah. I've read somewhere stuff that made me think that that move was the planned role this film was going to take in the overall story. Mm. Regardless of what story Far From Home was going to be, that's the purpose it was going to serve. Wow. To reveal? 
to reveal well, but Peter what, Parker to the world. What do you think? And I'm asking this because I'm not sure what I think. What do you think of using the same guy as J. Jonah James, bringing him back from the Raimi-verse or whatever you call oh, it? Oh, man. Well, I said that there were two things that made me freak out in this movie. And that was like one of them. Like when he came on the screen, because like people like screamed in my theater when his identity was revealed. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then they screamed again oh, yeah. when it was J. Jonah Jameson. Um, and I like, I kid you not, like I like, like, fell out of my seat like i lost it because like i think jk simmons is like that's one of the few characters i think you just can't really recast because he was like he is like one of the only like one-to-one perfect uh castings for a character um and uh and you know like i've seen him in interviews be like yeah i'd do it again and whatever and like he was in the cartoon and then like there was the hint of him in like in the andrew garfield movie um and then when he came back in this and he's like dressed like alex jones from Infowars, and like and like that seems to be the kind of role that he serves in this like yeah like i'd like to hear your thoughts about them using the same guy which like just was just pure fan service and made me happy but i also love just the fact that he's so J. jonah jameson because he comes on screen and he's like hey like yeah mysterio is the greatest superhero of all time and like <laughs> like for revealing this menace of spider-man um that that was an incredible reveal to me it was the one thing about this movie besides trailer footage that had been spoiled for me was that he was going to be uh. in it uh, I forget exactly how it happened, but I remembered going into it that somehow, somewhere, um, Simmons was back as J. Jonah Jameson. And it was just, you know, um, I read that they they couldn't do his little bit in one take because the director who felt this, he, he, they nobody knew that scene was happening in the, in the production, except for the people who like were physically involved in making it happen. Um they smuggled Simmons in to the studio like as the last possible date they could do for production. And they were just going to have him for a few minutes to do the take and then let him go and give him his money and then put it in the movie and make the movie happen. And they couldn't do it in the first take because the director sat Simmons down with the material, started filming, and he was so, he just brought the voice, brought exactly what J. Jonah James was supposed to be. And the guy just like couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> he was just laughing with glee so hard that they had to stop the take and redo it. Because that's fantastic. The director was like, oh my God, that's, that's He is J. Jonah so, Jameson. Which is exactly, he, if you're going to do a J. Jonah Jameson impression, it's going to be J.K. Yeah. Simmons. You might want to try to do Stan Lee, but you're going to sink into J.K. Simmons. It just happens. Yeah, um, it, it, it kind of felt like, you know, like when you're watching, like, say, or I don't know, Justice League or even Smallville or something, and they, they throw in the, like, a Tim Burton Batman theme or a or a John Williams Superman theme, but it's not those movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you go, on the one hand, you go like, well, yeah, but those are iconic sounds. So, yeah, of course, that's great. Use them. But then on the other hand, you think, well, but that's also just making me think about those <laughs> movies. So, um, I of course, like, he is the greatest casting choice of all time for that character. But I maybe kind of sometimes also think it'd be interesting if they had tried somebody else. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I like the idea that maybe he's just this constant across all dimensions. That that's just right. who J. Jonah yeah, Jameson yeah. is. <laughs> and he has different, he has yeah, various different hairstyles. Too. But it's always J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. I don't know if we need the whole like Peter goes and works for the Daily Bugle thing. Yeah. And so if he's going to be in the next chapter of the Spider-Man story, I think it should continue to be as like 
a background minor right. role, you know, just a voice of the news, a voice of the the shock media, yeah. or whatever he is. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about the event itself, right? Because it, they the have set it up to be a very classic Spider-Man situation, not the identity reveal, because that's only happened the once, and it kind of immediately got put away again. But like, like we have now set up that Spider-Man is a menace. Like <laughs> the the public's gonna like hate him and also know who he is, and Jameson's gonna be ranting about how he's a murderer on on TV. Like that's that's crazy. I like that's I did not expect that from the MCU. Yeah, you're right. The whole Spider-Man menace thing is such a big part of Spider-Man's history. And yet, as the next Iron Man, he was being set up to be, you know, basically the the superhero who always gets right. a pass. The, the new Superman, mm-hmm. if you would. Um, and then they flipped the script at the end. That's kind of a good point. I, think about, I didn't think about that part. I was, I was focusing more on the identity reveal part and thinking... Maybe that's not such a horrible problem. Like he could probably work around this somehow, because you know Tony got away with it, and and Captain America gets away with it, and so you know maybe you can't go to school anymore, but you could go live in a tower somewhere with all your loved ones or something. But yeah, they also hate him and think he's a murderer. So that's that's going to be a different Peter, twist. Peter's going to go have to sell his identity, his his relationship with MJ to the devil, so that they can put his identity away again. <laughs> Oh, Mephisto's going to have to be in the third yeah. one. <laughs> Played by J.K. Simmons. Uh, can I, how do I register my veto on that? <laughs> yeah, that would be a little weird. I, Doctor Strange I, I, Doctor I, Strange will fix it. I want not that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah an, an, an undo would be a huge cheat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, at the same time, though, it's interesting because this is this is a Marvel universe where secret identities are the exception. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that Peter Parker was unknown was kind of the exception to the rule, uh, and which you know feeds into a lot of the themes from the Civil War comics and everything, knowing who your superheroes are, keeping them accountable, and all that, all that you know bullshit. <laughs> but um, you had to deal with Spider Man, who after Secret Invasion, that was a plot point. I don't know who you are, Spider-Man. If you're going to be an Avenger, we need to know your face. And so he had to unmask for that team. Mm -hmm. But as far as the world at large, everyone knows Tony Stark is Iron Man. There are, there are museums talking about Steve Rogers' career before he became Captain America. Um, Maybe some of them that don't have, you know, public faces like Black Widow and such, their identities don't really matter because they are their job. But yeah, really like the street, guys are the guys who traditionally have the closest guard on their identities like the daredevils and the Mm spider-mans you know like cap doesn't need an identity he doesn't do anything (laughs) be cap all the time you know and all his friends are shield agents and his girlfriend is a trained assassin and you know like he doesn't need the identity but peter lives in queens in an apartment with an old lady and has to go to high school so and matt's trying to be a lawyer and you know, get in trouble with women all the time. So maybe, maybe they're going to do that. Maybe they're going to like merge the whole Bendis Daredevil's secret is out thing with, uh, make it a Spider-Man thing instead or something. See how that works out. He's kind he's kind of had his like opposite of the, I am Iron Man moment right after kind of trying to take the mantle of Iron Man. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. It really does kind of mirror that. I am Iron Man moment. While you were talking, Michael, I was thinking about the, the non-film MCU. And, like, I guess Daredevil has a secret identity because he does have a job. Uh-huh. I just finished Daredevil Season 3, it's so finally. Good. It's so good. I was the last person to watch it. So um, you can mark that down on, on the bucket list, those of you keeping track at home. Um, 
But the rest of the heroes in the MCU, whether they're TV or film, it's just, this is a universe without secret identities. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that this is the route they took to put Spider-Man on that list to make him not only known, but also, by the way, he's a bad guy. <laughs> kind of reflective of the comics too, though. I mean, not the MCU that we currently read because the secret thing is everywhere. Like Avengers don't even know who they are, but eventually it all just kind of becomes like, who cares? For the most part, except for characters like Spider-Man or Daredevil, you know, whereas in DC, we still have a lot of characters that are very much all about their secret identities and having real lives and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know if that's just an MCU thing. They don't want to bother with that stuff that much or what. But a lot of those MCU characters just don't need identities because they're always on. Remember when Marvel started, Stanley wanted to do the team that did not have secret identities. And that too. Yeah. They weren't even really superheroes. So if nothing else, this is very Marvel. Yeah, everybody knows that Bruce Banner turns into a Raging Hulk monster. Um, yeah, there's just no uh, – so. but like Spider-Man traditionally though does have the secret identity problems. That's like one of his big things. Yeah. Uh, one of the things um, that I that really sticks out to me about this movie um, – because like, I, you know, like obviously I think that some of the action sequences in this are like some of the best we've ever seen in a Spider-Man movie. Like the, like the thing with – the you know quote unquote hydro man and stuff and then like the the mysterio stuff and um even just the stuff on the london bridge is like all just like gorgeous looking and so we're just getting like constantly like really amazing new stuff and then like we'll get like really weird stuff too like the the bit of like um what's his face brad like taking a picture of peter with his pants down and then he's gonna like send it to mj and then peter like accidentally orders a drone strike against him uh, and has to stop the like that is such a bizarre thing to put in this movie and like i was and so it just like i just think it's so funny like because that cut of like peter accidentally ordering like they're like okay the strike is confirmed and he's like strike and then it cuts to like the giant stark satellite outside of earth's atmosphere like (laughs) it's so funny and weird and it's like where did that idea come from um and that that all kind of contributed to like these really fresh looks and like weird weird fresh like jokes and stuff like contributed to the fact that this movie feels very fresh to me like i, I like I, I i figured that we all might have felt a little bit kind of like kind of done after endgame like maybe endgame would have felt like kind of a closing out thing but like with all just the weirdness and the newness and like um and and, and all of that in this movie like i honestly felt really refreshed like i'm so excited for the next one of these and just everything coming after this to be honest yeah because this is this is the official end of phase right. three this epilogue so to speak to end game is is the closing remarks on phase three of the mcu and we're left in this place where we have no idea what's coming next except for tv projects and some sequels that have been right. greenlit you know we 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 haven't been at this level of lack of knowledge since just after the first avengers mm-hmm. movie does it, um, what, were we supposed to know what the heck this space station is that Nick Fury's on, or is that just supposed to be a mystery? Because I had no idea what it I'm was. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be a mystery. I think yeah. it's, okay. I think it's just chilling with scrolls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, seemed like it. So, you know, it, it, that was really cool. Like, I thought this whole movie, I was like, wow, Sam Jackson is really kind of phoning it in. <laughs> and maybe he really was phoning it. Maybe he really was phoning it in. Or he could have been acting brilliantly because he wasn't really – Nick Fury the entire time. I can't decide which is which, but I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say <laughs> that he wasn't quite acting like Nick Fury because he wasn't Nick Fury. Because mm-hmm. the whole movie, I was like, ah, like I'm just not feeling the the gravitas of Nick Fury in this one. And then it turned out it wasn't him, and that made me really happy. Like, 
oh, good, it was just a fake guy the whole time. So the the Nick Fury that said, bitch, please, you've been to space, <laughs> was not actually Nick Fury. Yeah. Nick Fury has not called Spider-Man a bitch, just, just for the record. Yeah. To his face. And he... And he also, uh, you know, Nick, Point. Fu- <laughs> Nick Fury didn't uh, didn't just totally gullibly believe uh, Mysterio's uh, origin story right. and, and go along with it either. Like that was somebody else trying to be Nick Fury. Good point. Good point. Um, yeah, I, I felt like the, the the ending sequence had a little bit of a nod to Tahiti yes. in it, which is an Agents of Shield thing. It's a magical yeah. place. Um, but other than that, I don't think the actual location was supposed to have any significance. I could okay. be wrong. I saw some people saying like, is he anything. forming sword, you know, sword. And I was, and, oh. and, I, and I was like, I don't know about that. I think he's just on vacation with some scrolls. <laughs> he wanted to get a little bit far from home, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For all we know, there's not even going to be a follow up to that. Miss Nick Fury left his eye patch in his closet at home. And he was like, I just want to go on vacation with some scrolls. <laughs> but now it's like, well, how long has he been on vacation? Was that him at Tony's funeral? They know. actually confirmed that it was him at Tony's funeral. So yeah, it was oh, just for this movie, okay. it seems. Okay. At some point since yeah. Endgame, Nick Fury is like, "Whew, where can I go, Carol? You got someplace I can stay for a little while? Get these five years of death <laughs> off my shoulders." <laughs> and Carol says, "I know some people." And then she does the um, then she does the awkward flying thing where she's flying and Nick Fury is sitting cross legs on her back <laughs> and uh, and she's like you know while we're flying here he's like don't do it Carol she's like I'm just gonna no 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 I can show you the world <laughs> Carol stop shining <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a Disney Plus series waiting to happen yeah right right um, I feel like since this is this is an MCU discussion we should kind of toss out some of these mcu series are coming down the pike but what else what other thoughts you have on spider-man i don't know i was like kind of thinking because they mentioned the avengers a lot in this movie Mm -hmm. or lack of avengers and so my i was trying to sort of like in my own brain like figure out what who the avengers used to be and where they are now and but then i kept getting distracted by the movie so i never really sat down to do that but like there's no avengers is the conceit and i'm just thinking well were there any left I don't know. Obviously, not Iron Man or Hulk or Captain America, but like, well, we got like we got one armed Hulk, and we got well, but he's not a fighter anymore, yeah. so he's not going to fight anyway. He's not going to be helpful against anybody. But Falcon. like, is War Machine still around? Is Falcon still around? Yeah. Is, is yeah, all the new Avengers should still Black be Panther, around? But they're yeah. not being Avengers, I guess. Scarlet Witch. Where are these people? But of course, we have no answers for that. Yeah, but they're somewhere. Yeah, what was Australian Skrull's motivation in getting Spider-Man on this? Uh, because Mysterio wanted Spider-Man because Mysterio wanted the thing Spider-Man had. So oh, that's he, right. he's like, "Hey, so, get Spider-Man for me." Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't mention so we didn't mention, really we didn't mention that the AI was called Edith for Even Dead I'm the Hero. That, uh-huh. that was fantastic. <laughs> that was like a fall for me in the theater. I was like <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm gonna miss Tony. That's oh, the thing. Yeah. Like this yeah. movie, this movie, movie made me realize that we're never gonna get a Tony Stark again, and that's kind of sad because he he was very entertaining. It hurts, but you know what? Spider Man will yep. fill that void a little bit, I guess. You know that little that little British yeah. boy in the Spider Man costume. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have the sense of arrogance. No, but no. we'll we'll find somebody. We'll find somebody. <laughs> the little British boy with a frog in his mouth. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. That's 
I don't know how much of, of the internet y'all have seen, but that is evidently something that the Utes are saying about Tom Holland is it looks like he has a frog. Yeah, in his he, mouth. he responded yeah. to and, that uh, meme daughter, on Twitter. He was like, I do look like I have a frog. <laughs> he talked he talked about it on the Graham Norton show uh, too. And you know you know who the frog is that's in his mouth? Hmm. Toby McGuire. Because <laughs> Toby McGuire kind of looks like Just a frog. Just Toby McGuire crying. <laughs> that's what it is. Right? <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, th- there was there's so much good in this film. So we, oh, 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 I need to, ha- I need to have some words about Flash. Okay, go for it. Okay, because I kind of had my heart reach out to Flash in this movie. Oh, okay. Because he is the way I read it. He is a closeted gay with a broken home who's doing all of this stuff about putting out the videos and picking on Peter because he doesn't know how to deal with himself and he has to put himself out there um, because what else is he going to do? And just the little stuff about his parents, just like not being there for him and not picking him up. I was just like, Oh, flash you poor boy. Not that that justifies anything, but it's just like, cause there is the scene. He makes me want to be a better person. <laughs> What's up, big bud? Yeah, you, know, you can't perfect. really forgive stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like Flash. I kind of love you. Though. What were the clues about his sexuality? I, I don't think I caught any of that. Yeah, I didn't either. I'm tr- as I was talking, I was trying to remember, and I can't quite remember. But there were just a couple of things that was like that looked a little. That would gay. be that would be and fascinating. Not like in a gay game. I would just like that. I I feel like. I want to go back and watch it and like flag them. <laughs> um, and it's all subtext and coding type of stuff. It's nothing, nothing too overt, but you know, I have a very queer household mm-hmm. and we're constantly like, we're constantly like subtext coding and just like picking up and everything and all the characters, you know, you have, you have two men from across the room, catch eyes. One of them smiles. We say, yay, <laughs> and like reach for it, you know, and, and want to make it happen. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just, that's kind of how I watch I movies. Get that. I, 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 I love this version of Flash. I, I think I think some people don't like that Flash like isn't the bully, but like we don't have bullies in leather jackets anymore. Like that's not like what bullies are. Bullies are just the kind of people that flashes in this movie, just like the worst dudes that are like <laughs> all like obsessed with their image and like just like mean, just kind of lash out for no reason, but like uh, like aren't even necessarily like that all the time. Like Flash is like. He's so annoying in this movie, but he's also like low key interesting. Like, like the yeah, like I want to know more about his life. I'm excited to find out more about him. It's like that that 21 Jump Street movie when he's all telling the guy how to blend into high school. He's like, so you want to wear your backpack with one strap, and you only want to care about sports, and you're not, and def, definitely don't try because trying isn't cool. And then they get there, and all the kids are nerds. They're like, you don't try? That's weird. What's wrong with you? You know, you don't like good grades. Why are you wearing your backpack like that? That's not ergonomically, or, you know, that's not good for your posture. You know, that's just the way it is now. Nerds rule the world, so it makes sense that that Flash is a jerky nerd and not like a football guy who's going to give you a swirly he's the guy that's got to have his snapchat well, also, live stream mm-hmm. he's also at some kind of jerky nerd magnet school or something i don't remember exactly what kind of school they're going to but i mean there's there seems to be definitely this school caters to a particular population yeah mm-hmm. and flash is one of the jerk people but he's in that population right. he, he was in the math kind of he was in the math yeah. elite, so he's not stupid right. in fact he was peter's replacement the only one smarter than him is peter which is why he hates <laughs> right. him probably 
Oh, yeah. He's not the dumb jock bully. He's the smart kid bully. Mm-hmm. But he's also rich and spoiled and has a bad family yeah. life. So I do I do rather like Flash in this movie. I love the development he got. Um, you know, I just... It seems like this movie has gotten overall positive critical reception. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like there is this corner of the fan base that likes to pull stuff apart. And I, one, one comment I saw, I didn't even, I didn't even look to see what they were talking about, what they meant, but they said that, you know, oh, and there's this one subplot that just seemed to go nowhere. And I don't even know what they were talking about. They were talking about Ned and Betty. They were talking about, uh, May and Happy. Um, but, but there's, there's a podcaster who I have a lot of respect for. His name is, um, Chris, I don't know if I should give his last name or not, but he does like to the two true freak stuff. And, um, he said that when you have a scene with a character and they're doing stuff that does not contribute to the plot, but just because that's who they are as a person, that's character development, that's character growth, that's showing character in your films. And if you want your people to relate to your characters and plug into your characters, you have to have stuff that doesn't mean anything for your characters to be characters. You know, they're just doing it because that's who they are, not because it means anything. And so, I don't know. I don't really understand some of the naysaying of this film, but that's just kind of my life story. That's going to be the the, the copy on the dust jacket <laughs> of my book. Yeah, I, I think people's I, There's I also, think people's criticisms of movies are because are, everybody's a movie critic now. Like, everybody's got their YouTube reaction channel and whatever. And I think... I, they, they film literary criticism in, in high school. Right. But they're going to. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. like everybody talks about plot holes and like, yeah, like, like things that go nowhere and whatever. And it like, I don't know. I just think like people try to look for what things aren't more than what they are. Like, like, I, yeah, you like, I totally agree with you that there are, there should be things in your movie that are only there so that you know, your characters better. Like they don't have to all like, not every minute has to drive the plot forward necessarily like but every minute should be telling you something that you should know about the people in the movie um for sure yeah mike what were you gonna say i was just gonna say we've also had a string of mcu movies that are ungodly epic (laughs) you know infinity war and endgame and in between that is setting up captain marvel and stuff so like this movie was just kind of nice to just be like okay it's just a just a movie and it was kind of straightforward and i enjoyed it and i got to leave And it didn't. Right. It wasn't like you know world changing. It's like okay, can we just have an Ant Man movie again or a Spider Man? Yeah, for sure. So I appreciate yeah. I appreciated it for that mm-hmm. also. Um. Okay. So we don't have any idea what is on the horizon for the MCU except for some projects that have been named. We don't know like schedule or when stuff is happening or what to expect. Um. But you know maybe maybe we should do like a post. San Diego conversation, Mike. Because oh, okay. DC and Marvel are going to have huge San Diego presences. Maybe they'll do a whole lot of you know releases about that. But um, what are some things you are looking forward to that you've heard about as far as Marvel productions? Captain America, or Captain America, Falcon and Winter Soldier is the highlight for me. Whatever happens there. Yeah, I, I'm super excited uh, for Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, like, I think that that's second only under One Division. One Division, I think, is the thing I'm most intrigued by because I love those two together and separately. And also, just like, I feel like there's potential for things to get really trippy and weird and possibly House of Emish there. So, I don't know. I'm excited. I, I want to see that. I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is an even better couple. <laughs> no, they're just hilarious together. So it's like, I just hope they keep that chemistry going and 
and I don't know what they're in, what's in store in terms of that whole passing the shield thing or all that, but I don't know. I'm just looking forward to that to see what's going to happen mm-hmm. with that. Agreed, agreed. I hope that one division is, and of course it will be. I'm just saying I hope that it is definitely as much character and awesomeness for Wanda as it is weird, trippy, alternate reality uh-huh, storytelling. Yeah. Like I love that character and her depiction of the MCU so much. I don't want to get too bogged down in her being broken and unable to grip. Absolutely. Yeah. She doesn't need to become the, the device I'm, for the plot. I'm kind of wary about all this TV stuff though. All of it, even the ones we were just talking about. Cause like I, you know, the Netflix stuff is okay, but it's also kind of like in this world where like everything has to be, the entire season has to be released and streamed. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of feels like the beginning is always cool. And the end of the season is always cool. And the middle is a lot of repetitive oh God, talking yeah. that bores me to, yeah. bores me to tears. And it's like, you know, what would be better is if every other year or even every year, they just release a daredevil movie straight to Netflix and give us a movie instead of this nine or 12 episode boring whatever like give us a movie that has an arc beginning middle end one shot two hours you're done come back next year do it again you know that's- they need to stop being beholden to formats mm-hmm. like the, the the 13 episode format works really well for daredevil season one yeah not every other netflix production needed a 13 episode format now some of them took that format and turned it into a two arc story so like luke cage's two seasons each of those was like a two arc story mm-hmm. um but i don't think that jessica jones season two needed to be as long. I think when they made Iron Fist season two, 10 episodes, I think it worked well. Um, the, uh, what is it that we're watching right now? Jessica the Runaways. Jones. Oh, uh-huh. The Runaways is a bit too long. It's not that any particular beat is bad. It's just that it's kind of taking a little bit too long to play I, out. But, and also the rewatch, the rewatchability doesn't work. Like you can rewatch homecoming as often as you want and you're happy, but like, because oh, of the time investment, not just time, but like think about Daredevil season one. What would you just rewatch the whole thing, or is there like Star Trek? You can think, oh, I love this episode. I'm going to watch it again. I want, I'm going to watch Measure of a Man again. That's a good episode, you know, because it ha- it's a one oh, and done. Yeah. It happens. But like, there's no episode in season one of Daredevil where he fights Stilt Man. I'm going to watch that again. Well, like I think I think you know? audiences like, now are really you, where do you tune audiences in? now are really privy yeah. to filler. Like I can smell filler from like a mile away, and like I think like like in mm-hmm. these Netflix shows, like I love Daredevil, but I and but like you know Daredevil season two a little bit, and then especially the other Defenders shows, like they are like a movie, they're like a two hour movie that's mm-hmm. stretched out to like many more hours than that, and so there's a lot of stuff kind of shoved right. into the middle, um, and it just. Yeah. yeah, it's not enticing. You just go like, oh, well, not all of this is essential, though. Like, can't I skip some of this? Like, and yeah, like, I really don't want that to leak into this yeah. MCU stuff. Like, 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 can't we just take out all the Karen Page scenes and then we're eight episodes less <laughs> and this could just be a two hour movie? Because all she does is talk about the same crap over and over again. It's like, this is just ugh. like, just let's just get to the kingpin fight already, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. <laughs> so I'm hoping I'm is hoping it- they figure that out for this Disney stuff. I don't know that they care or if anybody else is complaining. But to me, it's like the fact that it's not rewatchable and that it is kind of monotonous sometimes. Like I haven't even watched Jessica Jones season three because I know I have to be in the mood for it. I can't get through it if I if I don't numb my brain or something. So, yeah, movies are better. And I hope that Wanda and Vision don't just disappear into this TV stuff that's not quite as good to me. That's a good point. Whatever stuff they're doing in the TV, I don't want these to become TV-only characters now. 
Mm-hmm. They need to continue to have film presence because that's where most of your viewers are. That's where most of your bank is. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I feel like that's changing. Did y'all know that the Pennyworth film is not being released to theaters? It was a film? I thought it was TV. No? It's being it's a it's a film that's oh. being released to Epics. Well, and like so, and Netflix has tons of movies that are just released straight to Netflix, so Right, but it's like MCU and DC films are sort of these tentpole concepts. Mm-hmm. And to say, okay, but we're shifting how we're distributing them and making it more of your streaming services at home for our products, how are how are they going to help give those products as much weight and quote unquote importance to the overall franchise as your films? Because one of the one of the drawbacks to the ABC Shield and the Netflix Defenders portions of the universe is they don't matter to the films. Mm-hmm. And the films barely matter to them. Right. Just a couple hints here and there. Right. So the the interoperability of those portions of the franchise, I think they need to make that greater or make it make it at least more significant somehow. Yeah, like know. look at comics. Like nobody even well, I say that like and both of you are going to go. Well, I do. Okay, but <laughs> a lot of people don't buy. A lot of people don't buy the individual issues anymore. They just do the trades because everything's written for trades. So everything's a beginning, middle, and end, and you collect it, and that's what sells. So it's like, why don't we do that with these TV things instead of instead of numbered issues that go on and on forever? Like, why not just release a trade once every six months? You know, a two-hour movie or something. I don't know. They don't ask me these things. So whatever. Ethan, are there any projects that you're super looking forward to? Um, I I'm like a huge lover of 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 the Doctor Strange movie. Like, I feel like I feel like that that movie is like obviously it was like very successful, but I feel like people never talk about it, and when they do, they kind of just say it was fine. But like, man, do I love mm-hmm. Doctor Strange in the MCU? Um, and so like, I'm really excited to see what his role is going forward. Um, him and Black Panther. Yeah, forget the name of the actor who plays him. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know it's it's nearly impossible to say correctly. Um, but him and him and Black Panther, I think, are just like the two aside from Spider Man, of course, like the two biggest bright spots in this universe for me. And I just like I like cannot wait to see what's what's next for those two characters. Um, and so yeah, like those two and One Division, whatever's happening there, and then just. Beyond that, like whatever new things we're gonna, because I I assume we're gonna get some kind of announcement that's like the Guardians of the Galaxy of this slate. Like it's like one of those like the what like the weird like maybe it's the Eternals or whatever. Um, and uh, and so like you know those are kind of my mainstays that I can't wait to see more of. Um, but like you know I'm I'm always thrilled to see like whatever the wild card announcement is. Um, and God, I just want the next Spider-Man movie. You know, I just <laughs> I want to I want to know what happens to Spider-Man. Yeah, Guardians is something I'm looking forward to, especially the way they ended it in Endgame. Like, yeah, are we gonna get Thor and Guardians yeah, now? Because that might be interesting. And and I also want my Gamora questions answered that they didn't answer. So like, why is Gamora? <laughs> that'll be fun. No, like like oh. is is Gamora <laughs> is my question because I don't even know if she disappeared or not. Oh, cause I, when I, I saw Endgame again recently, and I was thinking about some of your questions whenever we were watching it, I'd completely forgotten that the first thing we see of Peter Quill on his ship is a search for Gamora. Mm-hmm. There you and go. You, you, so, so you're right. Once, once, 
once all of Thanos' people disappear, we don't have any confirmation after that that the Gamora is still Yeah, it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy 3, the search for Gamora, parentheses. Maybe Thor's here too? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or they'll have to go find like, the young version of Gamora on that planet that was made out of proto-matter. Right. And her mind's going to be empty and Dr. McCoy's going to have... It, it's going to be a whole thing. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's going to be almost as good as the, the previous one, but not quite... <laughs> right <laughs> and they're gonna recast they're gonna recast <laughs> peter Anyways, lord yeah um okay so i think it's about time to wrap this up mm-hmm. i don't even know how long we've been going but oh, oh look at that an hour and 45 minutes dang okay so normally there's like an hour i guess we had a lot to say so um yes Ethan, thanks for <laughs> thank being on you the show. for having yeah, me thank guys you. this was awesome and can you tell everybody what is awesome about your podcast? Oh, where absolutely. They can you know I can. Um, yeah, my podcast is Spider-Man Rewind. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, my God, it's another Spider-Man podcast. Well, here's the thing, right? It has a hook to it. The cool thing that we're doing over there is that, yeah, we're doing all the classic stuff. We're going through from the beginning every issue of, you know, Stanley Spider-Man uh, from, you know, Amazing Fantasy 15, Amazing Number 1 forward. But we do it chronologically, and so we take everything that anybody has ever tried to go back and add to the Spider-Man mythos, and we just slot that in there. So we didn't start with Amazing Fantasy 15. We started with, you know, Amazing Spider-Man minus one, Friendly Neighborhood minus one, all the minus one issues. And then when we did Amazing Fantasy 15, we did Amazing Fantasy 16 and 17 and 18, these things that came out in the 90s. Um, like, just all this, you know, everything that's kind of been thrown into this hodgepodge quilt of Spider-Man's history um you know dan slots learning to crawl miniseries and whatever like so we're kind of covering different eras of spider-man while also trying to fit it all together into one big continuing narrative of spider-man's life um and so in that you know we're kind of getting a cool idea of this character in his world and what what's been thought of it at different periods in time but you know we also get to joke around and clown around about some really bad comics uh because, you know, for every um, Amazing Fantasy 16 that's really good, you get Peter Parker Annual 2001, where Peter gets his first kiss with Tehran of the Peruvian Spider Tribe. Um, so, you know, there's good stuff, there's weird stuff, there's everything, and it's a lot of fun. Griffin and I, we have a lot of fun just joking around, riffing, doing voices. Um, so that's a really fun show, uh, and uh, you should go check it out. That's at SpidermanRewind.com. Uh, and all on all the podcast apps and stuff. And I also, uh, real quick, I produce, um, Griffin and I are producing a show for comic artist Ryan Stegman. Um, and he's bringing on a lot of his Marvel buddies like Donnie Cates and Scotty Young just came onto the show. Um, so we're like doing interviews um, and comic breakdowns with like big Marvel artists and writers and stuff. We're producing that show and the like third or fourth episode of the podcast just came out. And there's a YouTube channel where you can follow along in the comics with the writers and artists and see what they're doing with the comics. So that's another big project we got going. And that's what I have going on right now. That's a pretty amazing break for you. Oh, yeah. No, it's been a big deal. We're really excited about it. And those are really cool guys to work with. So that's at um, Stegman and his amazing friends. Uh, And you can go to that at stegmanandfriends.com or just look up Stegman and his amazing friends on podcast apps. Not to be confused with Stegron. Not at all. No. (laughs) 
So, so when they release Amazing Spider-Man negative two, are you guys gonna have to start all? Ah, uh, see that that just came up because like just last week there was like a thing. And it was like Amazing Spider-Man Reptilian Rage or whatever, and it was set during the high school days, and we just finished up his high school days, and so we're gonna we're we're gonna uh-huh. have to go back and we're doing these like point one specials, and we're gonna like we're gonna we're gonna uh-huh. slot them in in between our episodes so that it fits into our <laughs> our uh, our timeline of episodes. <laughs> so- yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> You're gonna you have to make a spreadsheet of your episodes and reorder them so to watch the episodes this way. <laughs> For real. Or listen to the episodes this yeah, way. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you know, if that kind of weird O C D crap interests you like it does us, go check that out. You you know how different people have O C D different ways and like sometimes the 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 way that a particular thing has to be done that's important to you is not the same way that another person thinks yeah. it has to be done. And so there's like so Personally, although I, although I really love listening to your show and going from the, you know, seeing how things kind of fit together mm-hmm. in the early days, um, I can't approach a project from a chronological uh-huh. perspective <laughs> for that very reason because there's always stuff that comes out later that goes back. And fit- <laughs> so, so release order is almost always my baby. Is going back to the beginning of the way the way this franchise was born and going from it that way, which which is why. In 2009, whenever my friend was really, really enjoying Jeff Johns' Green Lantern, and I was starting to think about DC stuff I should read, he said, go read Green Lantern. So I went to All-American Comics 16. <laughs> you mad, man. Green Lantern. Yeah. And, you, and, and now you're not <laughs> yeah, friends. No, I understand the... I under, <laughs> no, we're, we're not. I totally we're not understand anymore. the aversion to the chronological approach, because it's only slightly maddening. But that's also... We embrace that as part of the fun, the fact that the, the continuity just doesn't really work. Like, it kind of works, but then sometimes it absolutely doesn't, and that's kind of... That's, that's, that's like half the fun we have with it. <laughs> and it, it really depends on how much research the writer did mm-hmm. going into the story. Yeah. All right. Um, well, thank you again for being absolutely. on the show, Ethan. Um... There's another episode on the feed right now you should go listen to. I don't know what it is. It's something about um, something early Marvel 1964 (laughs) somewhere. Mm -hmm. So it's July right now. Um, We have no clue when the next Marvel MCU production is going to be. So next month is probably going to be um, X-Men. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah. Or is it X-Men Wolverine Origins? I, I think it's Wolverine, Wolverine Origins with no X-Men in it, but I could be wrong. No, it's, it's, I believe it's X-Men oh, okay. Origins Wolverine. Oh, is it X-Men yeah, Origins? Yeah, because, you know, it sounds okay. terrible to say. <laughs> well, it sounds like a comic book one-shot that is like a series of one-shots. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yeah, X-Men yeah. Origins which Jean they were going to do. X-Men they Origins had a Magneto Cyclops. one planned. That turned Ooh. into first class, though. Got, oh. oh, that makes a whole yeah. heck of a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's like when you find out that the Lois and Clark TV show started out as a Lois Lane mm, TV show. Okay. It's like, oh, that makes a <laughs> lot of sense <laughs> for the for the show that we actually got. <laughs> um, okay. So that'll probably probably be next month with um, uh, honorary co-host of the show, Sarah Century. And um, Ethan, did you get your Twitter oh, handles I didn't. and all that my, stuff? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Tales to Astonish. You guys know that one. Uh, we got uh, uh, um, sp- at Spidey Rewind and uh, at Stegman and Friends, I believe, is that one as well. So, yeah, go go look at my stuff or don't. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, I guess, Mike, yeah. I guess we're, we're done. Yeah. Is that it? I mean, I'm, I could tell you where I am, but I, you, they already know because they're listening, so... <laughs> Yeah, we're you pretty good. Right. And you don't like to talk about your personal Twitter, so. Uh, if you want to, it's Kaiser the Great, but I don't really do anything with it except retweet stuff that amuses me. Right. So. It's oh, not- you also have a D- Daily Batman. 
And I have, yes, The Daily Batman, where I post um, out-of-context panels when I read a Batman story, because <laughs> I'm doing that. I'm doing that from really also release date OCD. I did so not know from about the this. I'm going to follow that. So, and you, yeah. are you farther in your early Batman read-through than you've ever been? Yes. I am 80, okay. 80 stories in now. That's like twice as far as I've ever been, and I'm still going strong, so... You're like in 1941 now? 42. Next year, next year is going to suck because that's when the, the media opens and I can't decide how John Wilson I want to be about it. But we'll see. Well, don't ask my <laughs> Yeah. Because you and I tend to feed each other's OCD. Right. John will suggest that you go check like the original notes written on a napkin by the creators. Right. 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 Okay, I've got Bill Finger's autobiography. <laughs> right. We're going to see what he right. suggests. have to read that first. That's really going to slow me down. All right, everybody. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, go check out our other episodes for our weekly Silver Age Marvel coverage. Be back next month for um, X-Men franchise of films as we're walking through those movies. And uh, we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.